As David comes to read scripture this morning, um, we're, we're in Matthew 11 at this point. And it's such an, an amazing kind of scripture. And we don't spend a lot of time on this. But just to get you the setting, John is in prison. John the Baptist is in prison. He knows he's going to die. And yet he sends word out from two of his disciples to go ask a certain question of Jesus. And it is an amazing question that he asks. But what's even more amazing is the response Jesus gives. Exactly what he is to go tell John so that the stress that John is feeling at that moment might be reduced. So hear these words. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied, until John came, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. Let anyone with ears listen. Holy wisdom, holy word. Be to God. Have that in your heads. Have that in your hearts as we explore stress a little bit this morning. Stress is an amazing thing, isn't it? We've all dealt with it. We all sometimes deal with it. It can eat us alive, or if we know how to cope with it, uh, we can overcome at least some semblance of it. Stress sometimes causes us to do things that we would never do otherwise, and sometimes causes us not to do things that maybe we should do. Stress even has us think differently about life. And here's an example that I received from a certain person sitting three rows back from the front of the sanctuary. Told you I was going to use this, right, Lee? Maybe you didn't know that bagpipers are hard to come by when it comes to playing at funerals or particularly at gravesides. 
There are very few bagpipers left who, who are willing to go out and play. And yet you can imagine uh, what it's like to be at a graveside and there off in the distance on the hillside a bagpiper begins to play Amazing Grace. Well, one of the well-known families in this state, in, in particularly in this area, in the greater Seattle area, contracted with a bagpiper to come and play for a small family-only graveside in their personal family kind of plot on their property. And the grave was beautiful, sitting up on this hillside. And the bagpiper was ready. They decided that this graveside funeral was going to be at about 5 p.m., just maybe as the sun was beginning to set. Well, the bagpiper, being very nervous and wanted to make sure that he did exactly the right thing, spent a lot of time the night before practicing. So much that he really didn't even go to sleep until about 10 in the morning. And like some of us do, suddenly woke up with a start. The service was supposed to start at what time? He woke up at 5.17. He quickly got dressed, put on that beautiful kilt, got wrapped in his tartan, grabbed his bagpipes, jetted out of the house, got in his car, took off knowing that he knew exactly where this funeral was going to be. Forgot his cell phone and didn't have GPS in his car. He got to the place where he thought it was and it wasn't there. He began to drive around and by now he's lost. And now it's about 6.15, 6.30. The sun is really going down at this point. But then he sees off in the distance the knoll. And there on the knoll is the pile of dirt. And even there on the knoll, the only two people remaining at this graveside are the two workers. And it's as though they're waiting for him. So he drives out. He gets out of his car. He gets his bagpipe. He fills it with air. He goes up and majestically stands there, looks down into the grave and sees that the concrete lid has already been placed. Obviously, the family is already gone, but the workers are here. And to honor this man, he's going to play his heart out. And he begins to play. Right as the clouds are turning pink and then purple. And he plays amazing graces he has never played before. It's as though it clings to the hillsides. And then finally there is that Beautiful, long, extended note at the end. And a tear falls from the bagpiper's eye. And he looks over at the workers and they too are weeping. And he smiles and he nods, knowing that at least he's paid homage to the deceased. He gets back in his car and drives home. And there are the workers, shovels in hand, weeping. And one looks at the other and says exactly what the other is thinking. Best septic tank installation ever. (laughs) Oh, Wendy, stop shaking your head. (laughs) Stress does amazing things to us. 
And sometimes the things that we think are, are real just are not. And I'm going to come back to this in just a minute. Did you know that more and more research is finding out that every thought that we think, everything that goes through our mind is energy consuming? Every single thing. That no matter what it is you're thinking about, it is consuming energy within you. And depending on what that is, it is creating stress or alleviating stress. I, I kept thinking that if, you know, when Cora really begins to date and, and, and suddenly she is out on a date and knowing that her curfew's at midnight, and she looks at the clock only to realize it's 12.15, knowing that dad will not go to bed without her coming home and seeing her safe, that will create thoughts which will create stress. That's one level of stress. You go to the doctor and you know that you're going to hear about your tests and you don't know what they are and you're nervous and scared and all kinds of things are going through your mind that is energy consuming and it's the building up of stress. Different level. You go to Disneyland. And you're standing there in the midst of the throngs and having to decide which ride <clears throat> is going to be next. Different kind of stress. You look at trying to carve a three and a half foot birthday cake. Right, you guys? And you don't know where to begin. So you call on Lee Fox, <clears throat> who is the expert at carving birthday cakes. But the birthday cake gets carved and everybody is fed and it was an amazing time. But even that is energy consuming. So my question to you, my first question to you this morning is, what do you think about? What do you think about most often? And how much energy is being consumed in the midst of those thoughts? And are the things that you're thinking about positive? Are they negative? And how much are those thoughts continuing to build stress in you? For John the Baptist, sitting in prison that day, <clears throat> knowing without question that he was going to be killed sometime very shortly, there was a question that was plaguing him and creating enormous stress in him. He knew, he thought he knew, that the one coming out of the water that day of baptism was God's Messiah, God's anointed one. He knew that he heard the voice of God saying, this is my child, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And he saw this dove-like spirit descend that day. But now, years later, sitting in prison, because of what he has heard and seen, he sends two of his disciples off and says, go ask, are you the one? Are you the one? Or should we be looking for someone else? Stress builds in us, no matter the circumstance. Unless we do what we need to do in order to reduce it. Whether that's working out, changing diet, thinking differently, creating disciplines in our lives, a prayer time, whatever it is, stress can be reduced, but only if we take that kind of action. For John, that was the question. That was the question. So they go out, they find Jesus. Jesus says to them, now look at the front of your bulletin. Jesus says to them, go tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight and the lame walk. 
Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. That was not what everyone or anyone in that time thought the Messiah was going to be. And here is Jesus, that one who came out of the water. And everybody thought he was going to save Israel. And then everybody thought, well, maybe he's okay. Maybe at least he's going to go confront Caesar. Well, how about just going and confronting Herod for heaven's sake? Or how about taking on anything that really matters for all of us, for us, particularly for God's chosen? And what Jesus is doing is none of that. What Jesus is doing is saying, there's a different chosen. There's a new chosen. And that's who I am going to save. Thus John's question. But once John receives this news back, you can just see him in his prison cell. Hearing those words. Smile. And the stress of his shoulders begins to diminish. And he smiles again and nods and finds the kind of peace that he had not had in a long, long time. What's amazing about this story is that this story sits basically in the middle of the Gospel of Matthew and is kind of an end in preparing us for a transition, which we're going to deal with in the next few weeks. But what this does is it culminates what we have heard before. And what it does is it takes those Beatitudes and recreates them in a way that turns them into action. But there are some key pieces before we even get there. The first question I want to ask you, really the second question I want to ask you this morning is, for a stress reduction equation from Christ to work, the first thing you have to ask yourself and respond honestly is, do you really believe that Jesus is an answer? Do you believe that Jesus as the Christ can do something within you that could create some semblance of transformation for you? If you do not believe that, the rest of it quickly falls apart. And that has to be the base of the equation first. Do you believe in a God who transforms? Do you believe in a God who has power greater than us? And do you believe that that God seeks a relationship with you? That's where we have to start. Then what we can do, if the answer to that is yes, particularly if the answer to that is yes, then we go back to Matthew 5 and we begin to look at the Beatitudes again. If the answer is no, then we have other work to do. And particularly if you can share that you're struggling with that, we become community to help each other deal with that. So back to the yes answer. At that point, what we can engage is this incredible equation that will, in fact, reduce stress for us. We call them the Beatitudes, and I just want to walk quickly through them one more time and watch how this works. If you don't believe that it can help alleviate stress, and again, let's have a conversation. As Christians, we have to first understand that we... (coughs) have spiritual poverty. 
we have to understand first our own spiritual poverty. And what does that mean? It means that we realize that we absolutely need God. We need God. If you don't feel as though you need God, then you can, again, stop right there because everything else depends on that first one. And here's the deal, guys. If I will tell you, if you don't feel like you need God, my first question is, why are you here? Second question is, is where are you looking for your answers? For the stresses that we find in life, where are you turning for strength? Where are you turning for answers? I had the privilege of sitting with Nita last night, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about what you shared with me. But I was able to share some of that last night at the birthday party. <clears throat> Nita has become just an incredible source of strength for me. As particularly as, as she shared, as Zane was, um, was in the womb still, and that there were some deep struggles in the womb. And she and Daniel turned to family, but more importantly, they turned first to God. And they began to pray. And things began to take shape. And, and then came that day um, where, and it was early. Uh, they were, by the way, they were told things about Zane that he may not have been as healthy as he could be. Can you imagine the stress of that? And some of us in this room have dealt with some of that. Then her water broke early. And, um, and they did not take the baby at that point, And the baby was in the womb for an additional three days. Um, but then came this birth. And as Zane was born, what they found was there were not problems. As a matter of fact, Zane was born incredibly healthily. This beautiful, now one-year-old baby boy that we celebrated last night. What they have done, these two and their family, both sets of families, is realize that their strength comes from God. And I will tell you what, let me add one thing to that. Had Zane not been born as healthily as he would, they would still be turning to God. I know both of you well enough to know that you would. But this was a miracle, and there is no other word for it. But that's what we do in times of stress. We look and turn to God, no matter what the situation is, no matter what. The second then moves us deeper into relationship. We will find peace and comfort if we allow ourselves to feel deeply for others. I just I was, I was looking at an article even between services today that more and more and more of our young folks are looking at email, um, internet, platonic relationships rather than risking being hurt in relationships today. Risking being hurt on the face-to-face personal relationship are now just doing relationships by email. We, we've seen that happen in Facebook. We've seen it happen. It's going deeper and deeper and deeper. But if we will risk a deeper relationship and risk ourselves in the midst of that, something mystical happens, particularly when we combine that with our love of God. Third, let's remember that we're not God. If we realize that, then everything else will fall into place. And then... If we decide that what we need to do is seek and search and try and find spiritual nourishment as though we're starving or just incredibly thirsty, 
that if we continue as a body to search and find, we will, in fact, find that nourishment and be filled. Let's remember that the day that we stop showing mercy, the day that we stop showing mercy is the day that our souls begin to die. It is that outward showing of those deep relationships that create health in us. And no matter what happens in the midst of this, if we will understand our need for God, if we will be in deep relationships where we can comfort each other in the midst of loss, if we are willing to search and find and work toward deepening this faith, if we're willing to recognize that we're not God and don't have all the answers, something will happen in the midst of that. And it's the opposite of stress. It's peace. And particularly when we do this together, the peace grows exponentially. And then those last two of the Beatitudes where suddenly we're confronted by things or have to face things and the early church, it was persecution. We know that we can get through it because God is with us and we're together. And that's the equation. But here's the rub. Here's the rub. We have to decide that we're going to practice this. You can't come to church every Sunday and believe that it's just going to take. It doesn't. You can't come to church and believe that it's all going to happen for an hour, an hour and ten minutes on any given Sunday morning. The only way for this to take is if we do this every day, if we practice this every day, if we learn together every day, if we pray for each other every day, if we make those conscious decisions every day that this stress can be overcome by this peace and we decide to do that and then we look at each other and say, Betty's stress can be overcome for the peace that I might have today and I can carry you in the midst of that. Or Betty can look at Wally and say, I understand that you're going through something. And you know what? I'm going to carry that today for you. And that's the building of relationships in the midst of a place like church. But if we don't decide to do that, we will not change. If we don't decide to do that, we will not transform as a congregation. If we don't decide to do that, we will die. We will die spiritually within ourselves and we will die as a congregation. And here's the other rub. If we don't do it beyond just our inner comfortable circle, we will also die. It has to spread beyond those that we know even best. And that's the difference between a body of Christ and anywhere else. So I'm asking you today, decide who you will follow if you don't choose Jesus today, if you don't choose this today, and it's not, I'm going to leave it there. If you don't choose this, the danger is that you're going to be looking over a septic tank that you think is a grave and think you've done the right thing. And there's more power to it. But the final point is, if you're that bagpiper who blew it that day, there's going to come a day where the family is going to call you and say, where were you? But the beauty of being in this body of Christ 
is as a bagpiper, you get another shot. You get another chance. No matter the failure, no matter the situation in this community, you get another chance to play. You get another chance to play. And that's because grace indeed does happen here. It takes decision. It takes practice to do what I'm asking of us. And I'm working on it too. And I fail plenty. But let's keep working on this together. And play like we've never played before. Will you pray with me? God, we sit in this place and there is such significant love in this place. But it can grow. God, there is such significant experience in this place. But it can get broader. God, there is, in some cases, lifelong relationships in this place. But those can expand to relationships that may not be lifelong and may begin today. God, help us remember that that list of things can happen today. If we but count on you and work together, the deaf can hear. Those that need to hear can hear in a spiritual sense. Those who are feeling crippled in the midst of their lives can find hope. Those who feel outcast and as though they have no one can come here and find a home. Those that feel dead can find resurrection right here. But in order for that to happen, we make a decision as a church that we will practice these Beatitudes. Grow in them. And like the bagpiper, provide amazing grace that covers the hillsides that surround us. And that those hillsides can know exactly where that came from. Not just from us, but from you. Guide us in these times. All this in Christ's name. Amen.